welcome to Open Source Underdogs. I'm your host, Mike Schwartz, and this is episode 47 with Tracy Miranda, Director of Open Source Community at CloudBees. CloudBees is the company behind Jenkins, the famed project which is used to automate building, testing, and deploying software. Many commercial and open source projects use Jenkins as part of their continuous integration and delivery infrastructure, including my company, Glue. Jenkins was forked from a project called Hudson, started by Sun Microsystems in 2005. After Oracle acquired Sun, Hudson was forked and rebranded as Jenkins. Tracy has been an entrepreneur, a developer, a technologist for around 20 years. She was active in the Eclipse community, serving on the board of directors. She's also one of the founders of the Continuous Delivery Foundation, which operates under the Linux Foundation. Hopefully that gives you a little background. So let's get on with it. Here's Tracy. Thank you so much for joining today. Thanks, Mike. It's my pleasure to be here. For 10 years, you founded and ran your own consultancy specializing in Eclipse development. How did you end up getting involved in CloudBees? Yeah, so I think the common thread there is, is definitely open source. So I think that's something early on in my career I've always been drawn to especially because of the innovation you find with open source communities. And uh, it came at a time I was looking to just make a change in the career and focus a bit more on some of the community building aspects. And as I was talking to people out in the industry, I got introduced to Kosuke Kawaguchi, who's the creator of Jenkins, and at the time was the, the CTO of CloudBees. And the more he talked about, you know, the next stage of, of CloudBees and what he wanted to do with Jenkins, the more exciting it sounded to me. So I couldn't resist the opportunity to join his team and lead the open source team and drive that future direction. So for the non-geeks in the audience, can you talk a little bit about the history of Jenkins and how that impacted the development of CloudBees? Yes. Yeah. So Jenkins is a build automation server. It's most commonly used for continuous integration and continuous delivery, which are big parts of uh, delivering software. So it's a tool that's been around um, for 15 years. Many might know it originally in its first incarnation as Hudson, but it evolved over the years and became Jenkins and became very rapidly adopted by developers and folks delivering software everywhere just because it gave you a lot of flexibility and it was the first tool that sort of helped you integrate and build your software. And like really what we say is it, it was the start of this whole field of developer productivity engineering. And around it, um, so companies like CloudBees emerged offering more enterprise versions. So when it came to scaling or features around governance and securities, then CloudBees would offer um, enterprise Jenkins. And that's just sort of evolved and evolved. And now the whole space is, is currently really doing very well as we deliver more and more software every day. So CloudBees has a, a number of products and services. For 2020, what are the most important products with regard to revenue and what are the most important projects for future growth? In 2020, well, let me talk about the direction we're going, first of all, and then I can bring that back to the present. So we see just everybody's delivering a lot more software and software has um, become critical to every industry. So 
you know, whether it's a bank or a travel company or an insurance company, you name it, software is a differentiator for them. So the more software we have, the more we kind of start to talk about like software factories as, and you can use the factory metaphor as well to apply it to this. So we have in that model, we talk about software delivery automation and software delivery management. So automation is just the name says it all. It's everything you need to do to get the software delivered, pretty much like a factory. And then management, the software delivery management or SDM is the part where you have the business intelligence coming in. How do you make the decisions, what to release, when, and to who? So that's the direction we're headed in. And we're building out all the different parts that contribute to you know, integrating all the tools. Today, what a lot of companies have is basically focused on continuous integration and continuous delivery. So tooling around tools like Jenkins. We also have, you know, SaaS versions of CICD tools and then any tools that help you deliver faster. So we've got a whole kind of portfolio depending on your flexibility and what you're trying to achieve. CloudBees is in a very horizontal market. As you mentioned, you're serving customers in basically every industry. Given that, does CloudBees segment solutions or the marketing effort either vertically or by use case or in, in any other way? I think probably the most clear segmentation, which we'll kind of see, is whether people want to manage it and have things kind of on-premise themselves or whether they want, you know, software as a service. So that tends to be a key differentiator. And oftentimes it, it will depend on the industry. So certain industries might have very strict compliance or governance around it. So perhaps it always has to be an in-house solution, but then perhaps some newer startups or in different segments can afford to go with much more as a service model where they don't really want to deal with the nuts and bolts and the upgrades and the security patches. They're just happy to focus on what they need to do to get their software out the door. Without open source, there probably would be no Jenkins, at least as it currently exists, and therefore, I guess, perhaps no cloud bees. But going forward, why does continuing to invest and contributing to an open source community materially help the business? This is my key role at CloudBees is, is kind of overseeing the whole open source strategy. So you're absolutely right. Um, you know, CloudBees is based on this massive open source project. And as we grow and continue to evolve, we're going to do a lot more in open source and in different ways. I think there's lots of different benefits we see to open source. So on one side, if you take kind of just the engineering side, there's very obvious benefits from working with the community. You get fast feedback, you get people contributing. A lot of the developers we hired in the early days would come from open source communities. And then they even have the advantage of that they're already up to speed with the processes and the ways of working and the code base. But then there's also, you know, other kind of strategic sides to open source as well. Open source projects tend to spread like wildfire. I heard someone using the term kind of the, the open source tsunami. And 
they have a tendency to change the direction of industries. You take something like Kubernetes, which caused a big shift in the in the whole sort of cloud infrastructure. So in that way, we, we also kind of look at technologies for them to be open and for them to drive the future direction of the industry and help us to get to an innovative place. So we always want to be involved with open source and find ways to, you know, just create those kind of win-win situations for both the community and the company. You mentioned previously that was an enterprise version of Jenkins. And I'm wondering about today, is there, is there still software that's non-open source? And if so, how do you decide what to open source and what to keep private? Yes. Yeah, no, I, that's a, a key thing. And it, it's constantly evolving. So we have an internal process and, and we'll kind of look at the way things are evolving in the market. In general, um, like you take something like Jenkins and we have a lot of plugins added by different groups and different individuals in some cases. One thing that CloudBees will do is for the, the software like CloudBees Core or CloudBees CI built on top of Jenkins is we also offer kind of tiers of plugin. So we know which ones are meet a certain level and meet the requirements for enterprise type customers. So this is focused specifically on things like security uh, and governance and running things at scale. So typically features in those areas or verifying plugins will, will be the areas we'll, we'll tend to kind of have as, as the more closed source and anything developers tend to use. Those tend to be, you know, pretty open. I'm sure you've heard this term open source strip mining where large companies, you know, take software, open source software projects and commercialize them. And, you know, you have a SaaS um, offering yourselves, but is this something that you're concerned about or any thoughts about this sort of phenomenon? I've definitely had the term, <laughs> yeah, a pretty controversial one, but I think it is something that is always a consideration. So you take something like uh, Jenkins X, which is a new open source project. It's not related to Jenkins, as, as the name might indicate, but it's actually a complete new CI-CD tool based on Kubernetes, and it's, it's one of the best ways to do you know, cloud-native CI-CD. So a lot of Jenkins X is open source, and you could conceivably imagine uh, another company taking it and wrapping it up and delivering it in, in a specific way. But I think the reality is, is that open source is always evolving and it's more about kind of the vision and the direction it's going. And the key thing, I guess, from CloudBee's perspective is we have a lot of the people who are driving that direction working for CloudBee. So I guess that the people at the end of the day are our secret source. So even if other people want to come and extend it or do it in a different way. I think we're always kind of focused on what's what's the vision? How is this going to evolve? How are we going to keep pushing the industry forward? It's a concern, but we try not to spend too much time focused on that, just more time focused on what do the users want and where are we headed? In terms of monetization strategy, is the enterprise license the majority of the revenues or is SaaS the biggest part of the revenue stream? Yes, enterprise licenses uh, are definitely the main focus. I I think that will evolve um, over the next set of years, but for now, that's certainly the case. 
few questions about pricing, which is hard for a lot of startup entrepreneurs. Many organizations are using Jenkins for free. Is it hard to move these customers to a paid offering? What type of gates do you des- do you define? Is it per developer? And is pricing still evolving with new offerings or have you achieved some stability in the pricing area? Yeah, no, I think this is an area constantly evolving. And, you know, Jenkins is, is a great tool and a lot of people can, can do a lot of things with it anyway. So it's always, we're always looking to add value um, on top of that. So we find a lot of the customers who see the value of CloudBees, you, you know, they're focused on what they need to do as a business. They don't really want to be, you know, messing around. CICD is not their value add. So they want kind of the complete package. And that includes, you know, the ability to get support and the ability to know things are going to work for them. When you're sort of doing things in open source by yourself, you tend to, you know, you run the risks yourself. You can pick up plugins and you have to decide, um, are these going to work for me? Are they going to have the security patches um, attached? And what happens if something goes wrong? You know, you can't pick up a phone and kind of call up the open source community and ask them to fix your thing in, in a timely manner. But that being said, it is a constantly evolving space. So I think kind of the offerings and, and the bundling and the way that works is is always evolving. and. Like we will do things as well, like offer kind of more analytics on top of that, which give people sort of more insights in what they can do with their systems. And yeah, and that's just constantly growing. What have been some of the more important partnerships for CloudBees in terms of um, especially impacting the business? In today's world, I think you really can't succeed um, as a company on your own. We had a recent kind of partnership program, which I think we've got a whole bunch of companies who we're working with. We also, um, my remit tends to be on the open source and they're on the continuous delivery foundation. It's not partnerships in the traditional sense, but a lot of companies on the open source side we're working with closely. And the other big one today is the partnerships with, with the cloud providers. And those we have really strong relationships. I think every cloud provider has a marketplace out there and you you know you can easily access all CloudBees products very easily from the cloud marketplaces. I think this year we were also named the Google Cloud Partner of the Year. So um, yeah, a lot of strong relationships, especially towards the whole cloud space. You have a lot of experience in this area, so um, I can't resist asking, but Companies can host their own open source and build their own governance infrastructure around a project, or they can move to a foundation that can help maybe attract a larger community. What's, what's the strategy of CloudBees there, and um, how has that evolved over the years? Yeah, no, great question. Um, so Jenkins itself pretty much had its own governance and that worked well and served uh, the community really well for the first kind of 10, 15 years. It was, you know, a very lightweight model, software in the public interest, provides some great services. But eventually um, it got to a point where there were some kind of sticking points in the community. These were things Kosuke sort of shared widely with the community 
some key things like just having a business entity so we could get signing certificates, having a more kind of ability to hire for roles that weren't developers, but other kind of things that are key to software projects, but you don't necessarily get contributions for. And again, the ability to build a bigger community. So these are kind of some of the limitations that were hit. So we Jenkins got to a scale where it needed to grow past that and to get companies interested and understanding it, they needed a, a really kind of known model, which is why it then looked at setting up Jenkins in an open source foundation. And that led eventually to the continuous delivery foundation forming, which um, as with the more we talked to folks, the more it made sense, not just to have a single project foundation, but to have something where a bunch of folks could come together and work towards a bigger vision. So that's been the, the key thing. The creation of the Continuous Delivery Foundation is, is what I've helped launch over the last year. And that's been a major kind of change, both for Jenkins and for CloudBees as a business. You've been a, an advocate for diversity. And I'm wondering, have you been able to have an impact on how CloudBees builds the team? Yeah, no, I think diversity is super important for all sorts of reasons, but especially for business ones. I'm very lucky in my position. Um, I have I head up the open source team. I'm a hiring manager, so you know, in a great position to kind of influence that at CloudBees. So I have a great team, and I'm happy to say very diverse on you know kind of multiple axes. So you know, gender and age and from where we are across the world. So so that's been really nice. But we also have, yeah, lots of uh, initiatives at CloudBees. One of the things I'm pleased to say is there's there's a lot of people doing things at CloudBees and kind of constantly changing the status quo, which is which is nice because it's not always something um, I have to do. Then I can just kind of focus on on my main job. But yeah, a lot of great folks pushing things in the right direction. We're recording this episode in May of 2020, so the pandemic is on everyone's mind. It's easy to look at all the negatives, but being an entrepreneur, I think I'm inclined to look at positives. Is there any way we can spin the pandemic as a positive around creating more diverse teams? That's really interesting, but I think by moving online and by a lot of companies had this almost artificial limit on where people can be hired from and all having to live in specific areas, which are often cities, which often have, you know, big barriers to entry in some cases. I think by going virtual, you do remove some barriers. You do make it easier for people to be hired from wherever they are. And all of a sudden that does open up the field of people you can hire from. So I think in that way, it can be very positive. Just speaking from my own personal experience, my company is very globally distributed in terms of team members. We have team you know, members from like every continent, except Antarctica. So we're, we're doing an okay job in terms of diversity there. But in terms of getting more women on the team, we face some challenges. I know you've talked a little bit about this topic, but maybe you can share. Why do you think there are more women in tech and what are some of the challenges that women face and, and how can we maybe help more women get into the tech business? I've spent a lot of time over the last 
three or four years trying to understand for myself, because I think at the beginning of my career, I took it a bit for granted. I thought, you know, this is just the status quo. This is how it is. But I think it is down to kind of a number of factors all, all coming together. And, you know, unconscious bias tend, tends to be a big feature. We've got just a ton of research that shows how lots of different things have compounded things over the year. I think there's a, a great NPR podcast as well, which talked about the time sort of women started dropping out of computer science courses. And it was almost because computers in general were marketed towards boys and it was very difficult for them to sort of come in disadvantages to the courses and there was not a lot of empathy for that. So I think that that's kind of one factor, but there's, there's a lot of other things uh, in general that play out, just networks and how people bring people into companies. So the good news is I think we have more awareness than ever before of what it takes and then there's a number of things we can do. Uh, the bad news is you almost have to keep at it constantly and things change very, very slowly. But we know, you know, for instance, just representation matters hugely. So having more women voices, having more women in higher position kind of modeling. I think there's that great expression, you can't be what you can't see. And then just having more, not just mentors for women, but sponsors who are ready to kind of pull them up in the right channels, help them to get and meet their goals much faster. And I think we're getting a lot more systematic approaches in place to do this. And actually, I was really glad to see with your, your podcast, you have, you know, a lot of the recent guests have been some very, frankly, incredible and awesome women. And, and I think that's, that's places you start just having that representation having those people talking and telling their story. Thank you. Yeah, we're doing our best. So, okay, last question. You ran your own company for a decade, and you've been around open source for a long time. So I'm sure you've seen um, some successes and failures of entrepreneurs who have tried to use open source as part of their business model. So if you were starting out from fresh today, you wanted to use open source you know, and build a business around it. Do you have any advice for for that person about how they should go about it? I think um, there's a lot that gets said about kind of open source and the relationship with, with business models. I, I, I think I, I completely buy into it. Building off open source has so many efficiencies and so much kind of leads to a lot of serendipity. I think you see a lot of startups today embracing open source and understanding that it's not just open source in the sense of code, but what you're really doing when you embrace open source is uh, building out a community. And I think people understand more than ever how key developers are to, to any product and how key that community is. So not, not that open source is, is the only way to do it, but it, it's, it's such a great way to do it. And I think the main advice would be you know, if you're doing it, you have to commit to it completely. You can't kind of be half-hearted about open source. You have to commit to the vision and to the community and constantly growing it and, and tending to it like a garden. And then it will play huge dividends. And we have seen the companies who have done really, really well off open source. It's just kind of really sort of impressive Tracy, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and best of luck at CloudBees and with the Continuous Delivery Foundation. Great. Well, thanks very much for having me.
It's been great. Thanks to the CloudBeast team for helping us to promote this episode on social media. Editing by Inez Satenji. Transcription by Marina Anchikovic. Cool graphics by Kamal Bhattacharji. Music from Broke for Free, Chris Zabriskie, and Lee Rosevere. The podcast Twitter handle is at Foss Podcast. Next week, we talk to Ed Consevoy, founder and CEO of Gravitational. Stay safe, everyone. And until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>